0: Thank you.
1: Gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff.
2: Venomous Vinny. Hot Toddy.
1: Good to be with you again here, folks. We are coming back at you with another true crime episode. We've covered the Zodiac, we've covered Ted Bundy. We've covered the son of Sam. Is that it?
2: Jack the Ripper. Oh, and Jack the Ripper, that's right.
1: So eventually I'm gonna stop listing them all. I wish you uh, I wish
2: you cared more about the show.
1: So today, we are getting into another big name in uh, true crime. Fellow from the Chicagoland area, going by the name of John Wayne Gacy. What do you guys think about
0: that?
3: (laughs) Yeah, what's everybody's kind of experience with this case in the past?
0: Uh, Like as far as familiarity and all that kind of thing? Uh, that It's one of them, I think, that if you. I don't. I obviously, he's like in the public lexicon. Like, I think most everybody from that era knows who John Wayne Gacy is. I don't know what it is about this case in particular that really grosses me out and bothers me about it. They like, oh, all do, but this one, for some reason, hits me a little harder than the other ones, yeah. so I'm not sure why.
1: Bundy and Gacy are definitely the top two for me that are just like. They're disgusting piece of shit human beings.
2: I, I feel like there's like like with other serial killers, you could maybe see like like even Jeffrey Dahmer. I kind of feel like maybe if it, if if he didn't feel being gay was a sin, maybe he didn't murder him. But with with Bundy and Gacy and to eat him. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know what? His, his environment made him who he was. Uh, spoiler alert. With Bundy and uh, Gacy, I feel like. I feel like American Psycho with those two. Like, there's just they're monsters. There's nothing. There's nothing underneath. There's, yeah. I don't know. It's like like there's a persona that the public saw, which is how they got away with so much shit. But um, there there's just nothing redeemable. They call there. it white privilege nowadays. Yeah, well,
1: <laughs> Big time. Yeah, um, I I don't... always
2: found the the case
3: itself not really to be all that compelling and kind of just vile. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas. Bundy would always kind of strike fear into me. Whereas Gacy, I, I really wasn't particularly interested in him or or understanding what happened there. What I always found compelling was, was how the last stage of it went, which we'll get into. But I always thought that some of the uh, <clears throat> the finale and the police work was much more compelling than what led up to it.
1: Right. Yeah. My earliest exposure,
2: I mean, was it was that the question you asked us cuz I think that I th-
1: no, <laughs> I, I think I think Vinny asked it and we all kind of spiraled okay. out of control from there. <laughs> but no, my my initial exposure, like I I everybody knows about the Killer Clown, you know what I mean? Like that's you hear about it here and there but uh, professor and I were actually in Chicago with our roommates Eric and Jackson, and we were visiting Eric's mom, who's a big true crime. I think I've talked about on the show before, mm-hmm. and she gave me my first true crime encyclopedia. And right there on the cover was John Wayne Gacy.
3: I remember and, riding around on that trip, flipping through it.
1: Yeah, and so really learned more about him at that point. What time um,
3: period was this? This well, was
1: early 2000s. I was going to
3: say, I, I remember getting a book just, I think, from – because we flipped through that, it kind of got my brain going, and I got a big book on the Green River Killer, which, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, hadn't been caught yet, Yeah. or maybe he had.
1: Right right around that closed, time.
3: But I remember getting that. It was definitely early 2000s.
1: And when she gave me that book, and we talked about Gacy, as I said, we were in the Chicago area. She said she remembered she lived in Indiana when, when all that went down, but she said she remembered watching the news and them just continually pulling body bag uh, bag out of the house, like just bringing all those those kids out and just how much of an effect that had on her. And it probably sparked her interest in true crime later in life.
3: Yeah, and I can only imagine because that was, I mean, a a few years before I was born. Mm -hmm. But I can only imagine what it was like where every so many months during the span of like two or three years, the next atrocity was uncovered from a different part of the country. That was another thing I was is,
0: thinking about, too, as I was watching yeah, things about this, that time period, how they're, they're really, serial killer wasn't a term. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like you just kept resur- surfacing with one after the mm-hmm. other during
3: this time. Because, yeah. yeah, at the time, you like when um, we covered Son of Sam, we would have had Gacy doing his thing, um, the Hillside Strangler. Or stranglers as we were going to learn. Um, but just so many things going on just in that particular summer. But it seemed like all through the seventies it was just one after another. Just Jesus, what is going on around the country? Yeah. But yeah, his was, I think, particularly jarring to mm-hmm. to, to see all these remains being brought out in bags and saying they'd be well, the having space. the
0: audacity to keep them in <laughs> under your own house like that that to me too it's something that I find extra bothersome as well like was it was it to hide them or was it because they were souvenirs you know yeah. what I mean mm
2: mm-hmm. I, I was I think uh first exposure for me for for Gacy, I think was the movie to catch a killer I worked in a I worked in a local video store and the movie came out I don't remember I think it was a TV movie
1: mm-hmm.
2: I don't remember airing on TV but I remember the video coming out. And watching it was probably the first time I, I I don't remember being familiar with that case at all until I saw the video.
3: All right. Thanks for listening.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Good, good to have you tune in. Stay scary. Uh, All right. So let's, um, let's start with some of the the details of the case, Professor.
3: Certainly. Uh, John Wayne Gacy was an American serial killer that killed 33 young men. Uh, between the years 1972 and 1978 in cook county illinois Um, all these murders were from strangulation except for the first one which was a stabbing in his ranch home in norwood park which is northwest of chicago um also it's important to mention he had a character which he became very famous for kind of nationally uh as pogo the clown or patches the clown um is that I Pat, just,
2: Patch Adams? Yeah.
3: I yep. uh, just want to clarify up front he didn't kill anybody as a clown. Yeah. Nope. There is this idea of the killer clown. Uh, there was a pretty bad movie mm, uh, oh made God. within the last maybe 10 was years.
2: The, the one from uh, probably 20 Pee Wee's Pee- uh, Big Adventure? Yeah, he
3: played him. I Francis. can't remember. If, yeah. Um, where Francis. they portrayed <laughs> him as killing people while he was dressed up as a clown. Yeah. Um, so. While it is an important part of his kind of way we remember him and kind of the mythos and how he's scary, it really didn't happen that way.
1: Uh, You know how he got the name Pogo?
3: I've heard this. I can't remember, though.
1: Because it's Polish. Because he was Polish and he liked to go. Yeah. (laughs) So, Pogo. Hmm.
0: I would like to point out something about his his, uh, clown makeup, though.
1: Your clown character could be Gago.
0: (laughs) That's that's offensive. (laughs) Typically... Typically, you will not see pointed edges on a clown's makeup. Right. And also... Nerd blue alert. is typically not used in clown's makeups either because the white coupled with the blue... Uh, white is universally accepted among many cultures as representative of death. And when you put the blue along with it, it creates uh, uh, kind of an otherworldly, scarier look with that color scheme. So typically professional clowns will not use blue in
2: their makeup. Hmm. Uh, especially is, if they're white. This is my last show. <laughs> <laughs> did not know that. Interesting. The more you know. Um, all right,
3: we'll run through, uh, this is pretty quick here. Gacy was born in Chicago in 1942. He did not have the happiest childhood. There was a lot of friction with his father. He was beat often. Um, allegedly was molested by a family friend, a contractor, uh, who took him out in his truck and, and would fondle him. Uh, this has only been relayed by John Wayne Gacy, who, mm-hmm. uh, if you didn't know, had a tendency to lie from time to time. A little bit. <laughs> so we'll have to take him for his, his word on that, not to diminish if that was the case. That is horrible. Um, he got involved in local politics around age 18, and this is important with the Democrats. Uh, we were all very quick to point out that Ted Bundy was a Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gacy. Democrat. Yep. Um, He ran away from his father uh, at that age and ended up working at a mortuary for three months. So kind of an interesting start to adulthood. Um, But, you know, I think he was ready to come back home after that.
1: Do you have any other details about the mortuary work? Not really. They say that's where his first uh, encounter was. Uh, There was a, a dead... Early teenage kids, some you know, maybe yeah. between ten and thirteen, and uh, something about that moved him, and he just crawled right up on the slab and and caressed that young dead boy.
3: Glad you mentioned that. Yes, chime in with any uh, random thoughts know, like that, that that I may cool. miss. Um, I was also
1: going to. Sorry, don't want to step on your toes. No, but all right. I was also going to point out uh, he suffered a head injury as a child, and that's that's one of like the big trifecta when we talk oh, about serial the serial killers is that there was head trauma in their yep. youth.
3: So. What were the other PP pants?
1: Yep, and arson. Arson. yeah. Starting fires, but yeah, uh, the head trauma uh, famously illustrated in Sufjan Stevens' song. Yeah, uh, John
3: Wayne Gacy. Yeah, that is a kind of an ongoing thing. It's not always the case, I don't
2: uh, think necessarily. I've ever, but I, I've always heard about that they would uh, like torture like animals, especially cats and that's dogs. That's another but proper, Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard the uh, head trauma thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but I don't read
3: books. After he got done uh, moonlighting as a masseuse on corpses, um, he returned home <laughs> <laughs> and enrolled in college in 1960, back in the Chicago area. Even though he had dropped out of high school. Uh, but he did get in. He graduated uh, and got a job with the Nun Bush Shoe Company. Um, <laughs> they transferred him to Springfield, where he met his wife and got set up managing KFCs um, in the Waterloo, Iowa area. Um, and he balled there. Yeah. Let me yes. pause you
1: one more time. I'm looking at my notes here. Sorry, I'm, okay. I'm not as organized. Uh, but uh, also another thing in his youth that he stole his mother's panties. Yeah, I didn't know that. He used to keep his mom's panties in a bag yeah. in his closet. Did you Have you heard that one? I did, because a childhood
0: friend in an interview yeah. said that he had told him that when they were little kids. Like, he had it in his closet.
3: Steal his mom's panties. Um, so he managed three KFC uh, restaurants in Waterloo, Iowa. He was making really, really good money there. Um, and he also got heavily involved with an organization for uh, young males ages 18 to 40, uh, basically grooming for being professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is where he had his first uh, run-in with the law. In 1968, uh, he sexually assaulted a 15-year-old boy um, who had been involved with the JCs. Uh, furthermore, he then went on to pay an 18-year-old uh, to threaten him uh, from testifying, beat the hell out of him. And Gacy ended up doing 18 months for both crimes. Uh, The first wife who had set him up down there divorced him after that.
0: He would also, uh, in order to get these memberships, would throw parties for these guys involving alcohol and pornographic films. Yes.
1: He was horny. In his rompus room. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um, So once he got back to Chicago, uh, more assaults occurred. And then his first murder occurred on January 2nd, 1972. Uh, Timothy McCoy was a traveling youth headed to Omaha who got sidetracked after meeting Mr. Gacy at a Greyhound terminal. Gacy took him around Chicago, let him stay the night with a plan to return him back to the station the next day. Gacy awoke to McCoy standing in the bedroom door with a knife. Uh, Man, talk about it. That sucks. Um, A fight ensued. Gacy stabbed him to death. Gacy then went out to discover that the boy had cooked him a huge breakfast for them and had set the table, and more than likely, McCoy had absentmindedly walked back with the knife from fixing the meal. Um, so, there's a big oops there to kick off the career of killing. Um, while this happened, Gacy uh, achieved an orgasm,
1: he mm, said. That's right.
3: And thus kind of birthed <laughs> the thrill uh, And the discovery of realizing that while killing young men, man, he was um, getting a little extra bonus in there. He would bust. How embarrassing! Yeah, Um, and with this body, he buried it under the house in a crawl space, or sometimes with further uh, down uh, with some of them, he would put him under the garage as well. Um, I think, as we mentioned earlier, that this was um, because of maybe fear of, of having it out of the house um, and getting caught and just putting it under there because I don't think this had anything to do directly with possession okay. of them. He kept random say, things so he from some trophies. of them. Yeah. So he did keep trophies. So I don't think he would do that mm. and then keep the bodies under there if they're kind of driving the same force. Right. I think part of it was he uh, had a wife back in Chicago. He got re- remarried there. And I think that it was a quick fix that didn't have to take him out into the sunshine where he could potentially be caught. But I've never, I, I've read books on him in the past. There, there may have been a further explanation on some mm-hmm. kind of reasoning for that, but mm-hmm. I always took it as just a means to an end, a quick yeah. way to take care of it. Um, so with that, and I'm not going to go through yeah. each instance. There's 33 mm-hmm. uh, yeah. unfortunate poor young boys who lost their lives. They to tend this to be about the same story. Right. And so it's going to be kind of a um, repeat occurrence with most of them. A couple of things I do want to mention, though, um, with his ruse that he would do with them. He, He found ways to lure... Uh, young boys back to the house, whether it was to drink beer, the, you know, sometimes with the promise of work. Uh, he would find different ways to get young men back there. Some of whom, to be perfectly honest, could have kicked his ass. Mm-hmm. He preyed on them like many many serial killers do in a cowardly, vulnerable way. Yeah, um, and he had a couple of particular things that he would do both to get them and then what he would do when he had them uh, that I do want to mention. Uh, he referred to him simply as the handcuff trick and the rope trick. Uh, the handcuff trick is he would have the key in his hand all along, and he would demonstrate for him this trick that he could do with the handcuffs. And he would put them on and show them, and then, and then where they couldn't see, he'd take the key, release him, and take him off and say, you try. And then they'd do it. Of course, couldn't because they didn't have the key hidden like he did. And There you go, handcuffed. Um, and then... Something that really demonstrates how evil this guy was was the rope trick, which he would do, which um, I want to say they also did it in Friday the 13th Part 5. I couldn't remember off the top of my head. But you would basically get a rope or a belt around their neck and attach it to a piece of wood. Oh, yeah. And then you twist the wood. Mm -hmm. And um, there were times where he did this for hours with these kids. Like bringing them to the brink and then letting go. Sit on their chest and just twist them. Twist, 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 strangle in the death, and just right when we're getting there, loosen it, go through it all over again, over and over again. Um, he developed that from a killer in Houston, which happened in 1973, the Houston mass murders, uh, which were committed by Dean Coral with two teenage accomplices. And they that was basically how they did it. They would they get him handcuffed and then torture him. And so he basically lifted that probably from some article he'd read when it happened. Um And then the other really important kind of uh, turning point through the crimes to mention is that in 1976 he got divorced again. Um, And that's when it really came unhinged. He called it the cruising years. And that was 76 to 78. And that's where he has nobody to answer to. I mean, he can basically bring whoever, whenever, leave whatever around the house. There's nobody there to to hide anything from. Um, And I know that the the wife there had dealt with um some of his infidelities uh sleeping with other men and things that i think uh either it was warning signs or cheating or other uh kind of a combination of it i can't remember what specifically drove her off
1: wasn't there that 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 event where like he took her to a party and and she got drunk and wanted to just stay the night at the house the party was because she didn't want to be around him and he went and Picked up a kid. And yeah, I, that's what and been, I can't
3: remember. There was some kind of event that finally just shoved her off. Yeah. Um, but it got to the point in the cruising years where his final victims were beginning to be dumped off of I fifty five and Des Plaines River. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have anything we want to add to just the general <clears throat> timeline of crimes?
1: Uh, I would just say some some general trivia that goes along with all this. Um, while part of the JCS, he was named JCS Man of the Year. Yeah. Which, you know, made him very, you know, he was, he was active in politics, he was active in the JCs he was active in his Catholic Church, um, which made him hiding in plain sight, mm-hmm. you know. Um, also, while involved with politics, he met Rosalind Carter, Jimmy Carter's wife, which is another interesting connection with some of the other serial killers we've talked about or are going to talk about. There is some presidential connection with a handful of them where they've either met a president or the president's wife, hmm. which is very strange. Um oh, and then another thing I'll add at this point while we're paused is that he uh he hated gay people. He he always claimed that he was not gay, or the word he used was fruit picker. Uh but he thought being bi was okay. Yep. He says, I'm not I'm gay. I went all the
2: way up through prison.
1: Yeah, yeah, He says, I'm not gay.
2: And yeah. I, I think the bad thing is too, is as we talk about this, like a lot of uh obviously not the serial killer part, but the, the pedophile stuff is definitely a stigma that, that even today some people like to put on gay people that if you're gay, then then you did a little little boys. So yeah, there's like there's some kind of perverse veer off that happens. Some nonsense, right? Uh, also, uh, kind of like thinking about this case too is kind of reminiscent to what we're going through now uh, with some of our, our current politicians. So it's it's funny that it doesn't matter what party you are, it really doesn't. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But, but currently, like like I think Rory Moore, where we're watching people in the news where they don't care. If he did molest children, he's a Republican, and we need Republicans in office. So similar, I feel like this dude's getting away with some stuff because he's like, oh, you know, he's a, a a Democrat and he's you know part of our Democratic Party and and a leader and you know he I wouldn't th- do any I, of this I stuff. I think
0: that people were that clueless back
2: then. I was, was going to say too. Yeah, they're
0: they're, they're they're like, oh no, he couldn't. He goes to church. Like back, I I don't think that back then he's married. People, yeah, they weren't as a, because so many things hadn't been out there like this at this point. Certainly. To point you the other way that you thought, well, no, because there was this, I think, idea of a mustache-twisting villain that would do this kind of thing, you know what I mean? And not the guy who goes to church and is a successful businessman and successful in uh, local
2: politics and all the things that Bundy got away with. I think think more stuff have came out, but I still think we're, we're, we still have a large part of our society that that this still like, I don't know. No, I think he's, a he's a priest. He's a priest. He couldn't. And, do that. and let's also Bundy or uh,
0: Gacy is getting away with all these things. He did not have the looks that are always attributed to Ted Bundy either. <laughs> as right. part of the reason hey, why speak for
3: yourself, Ted, buddy. Why
0: Ted was so charming and good looking. Gacy doesn't have the looks to go along no, with that. looked like he a did, pack of baloney. And he did just fine getting away with all of it for all of the other.
2: He, he still was kind of like I don't I don't. Obviously, it led to that, but. Kind of like he still had a way to like seduce people.
1: Well, that's yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is like he was just like a loud, abrasive personality. We've all known the type before. Mm-hmm. Uh, this loud, abrasive personality that just pushes their way into things and pushes their way out of things. So um, it's easy. It was it was not easy for people to go along. It was just like people were just like Jesus. I don't want to deal with him anymore. You know what I mean? Because he was just so loud and pushy. Yeah. So I think that's how he got away with it. We've a lot. all been there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. uh, um, oh, one last thing. Uh, one of my funny notes was, I think he's a cheeseburger, Ted Bundy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so,
1: uh, sorry. As you were.
3: grimace ate the hamburger. All right. Uh, on the afternoon of December 11th, 1978, Gacy visited a pharmacy to discuss a potential remodeling deal with the owner of the store. While Gacy was within earshot of a 15-year-old part-time employee named Robert Peast. He mentioned that his firm hired teenage boys at a starting wage of $5 per hour, almost doubled the pay, earned at the pharmacy where he was working at the time. Uh, after Gacy left the store, uh, the boy told his mother that some contractor wants to talk to me about a job. He left the store promising to return shortly. He never did. Um, his family filed a missing person report on their son uh, with the local police. The owner of the pharmacy named Gacy as the contractor that had most likely left the store that the boy had most likely left the store to talk with. Um, And this is where our downfall immediately begins. Um, The police put heavy, heavy surveillance on Yacy. um, And this goes on for roughly two weeks. And this is the most compelling part of the case for me. It's not uh, a trail of clues. It's that they start to immediately recognize, just by basically having people witness it, in the process because before these kids would just come up missing but there was really uh, n- n- not any great leads so this <laughs> had people in the moment placing this guy with this boy that went missing right which had been like so many
2: young kids had, around had he not area. done this do you like that's the scary thing it's had he not had he not took in a boy that like
1: people cared about yeah
2: that that cared about and and literally was just like i'll be right back yeah um I wonder how long he could have got away with this.
3: Yeah, I would Which is, assume much longer, especially yeah. doing it in a more of a centralized way, um, just in the middle of a pharmacy with witnesses that could. ID and and, and not that
2: they didn't care about other victims too, but like like I don't, I think with other ones it was just like there was there was no uh, connection to do anything with. Well, and there's not enough time of the day for
3: for a lot of those detectives. But if you have somebody screaming in your ear yeah. that lives three blocks over, that's going to naturally be a priority for you.
1: Well, and that's the thing. I mean, we're talking about a lot of the teens that went missing were drifters, mm-hmm. hitchhikers, it's
3: just simply traveling.
1: Yep. Um, also, too, uh, they did not care about these these gay kids that were dying because they were like, "Oh, well, they're they're gay. That's what they they, they get what they deserve." You know yeah. what I mean? Like it was just terrible. And it, it's it was, and it wasn't just it was everywhere. I mean, that happened. There's a famous case here in Muncie. Any of you heard about that one? It's still unsolved about that kid that got killed over in McCullough Park like 20 or 30 years ago. So. McCullough Park used to be known as like a gay hangout and uh, yeah. a local kid disappeared and they thought his last known whereabouts were McCullough Park and the cops were like, well, my, too bad.
3: Shouldn't be hanging out in places like that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so this is the same stigma that would have affected a lot of these kids.
3: Yeah. Um, but yeah, with the, we went on for basically two weeks with them just trailing him everywhere. If he went in to eat at a restaurant, they were sitting a few tables over, and they made sure he knew about it. Um, they initially got a search warrant that went nowhere, um, and it was it was just cat and mouse. And the movie that we covered, "To Catch a Killer," picks up directly from the pharmacy. Yeah, and covers this period, which I think was a wonderful choice for a TV movie. Yeah, because we avoid you know Any some of the, the more details. salacious or disgusting aspects of it. Not that that stuff's not important, but the This, to me, is the much more impressive uh, part of the story. They wore him down
0: Yeah, with the surveillance. They they drove
3: him nuts. Yeah, drove him insane. And this was uh, someone who kind of functioned on false bravado and power over people who really needed help. Um, And so the minute that was stripped from him, you're not the cool guy. You're the one being badgered, and you're not the strong one. These guys are going to do what they want. You're going to deal with it. And, and he started getting sloppy Yep, because he, so, he
1: just thought he was untouchable.
3: Yeah, but the, I was just going to say the arrogance still drove him. Yep. Um, there's a famous bit with him uh, where during this time, and they cover it to some degree in, in the TV movie. I think he invites him in for drinks, and there's some, some different aspects there. But at some point during this, he invited them in for dinner he'd cooked while they were waiting out front just just to be arrogant. And they smelled a smell. And they didn't realize it till after smell. the fact. Ooh, the guy that hit smell. him. He's like, "I know that smell," and it was the stuff you know stuff you put on bodies to eat them up, mm. and uh, and then just kind of the Lie. unpleasant sweet um, scent of death yeah. that he had under the, the Once floorboards you smell there. Death, um, you never forget it. But w- and we'll go through a lot of this with our thoughts on the movie. But basically, this led up to him finally just freaking out on December twentieth. And going in and confessing to his lawyer. Um, and two days later, he confessed to the police and was arrested. Um, After
1: he got picked up for weed.
3: Yeah, because he, he was given um, <laughs> pot out. Was it right in front of the house?
1: Yeah, he gave some pot to a kid that he was trying to seduce. And yeah. the kid turned it into the cops. And,
3: and, and that was what they needed to get him in jail yep. for the second search warrant. Yep. And they went with it, you know. And that's where, this is the most dramatic part of the case they they don't really build it up ironically in the tv movie how it was really yeah which was the yelling up from the basement as soon as they got those floorboards up just yelled you can charge him yep um
1: but this was this was his ted bundy bite mark moment yeah like this was when they were just like you know this if, if it hadn't been for the weed it may have still gone on months longer yeah to get him Yep. So I mean, this was the, the this was the nail in the coffin, just like the bite marks were for Bundy. Yeah.
3: But and they he had had them in for drinks. Um, they found um, some class rings. Yeah, class rings uh, that had been taken that matched up with uh, missing kids. Uh, so they finally had enough to get the judge to issue a second search warrant, which then got them in to rip up uh, the floorboards and discover quite a few bodies under there. Um, and. Mm-hmm. After the dramatic, uh, you can charge him, he went on to be found guilty in 1980, and in 1994 was executed by lethal injection. Uh, a couple what of... What year was he executed? 94. I knew it was a long time. <laughs> um, a couple things I wanted to mention, uh, one positive that came out of this was the Amber Alert. Yeah. Um, the lawyer of Gacy was the one I think that burnt that, um... He wrote a rather
1: entertaining book as well. Yeah.
3: Isn't that called like Defending a Monster or some shit yeah. like that? Uh, Where
1: he lays out that his duty to defend Gacy can be likened to John Adams' duty to defend the, the Boston uh, Massacre <laughs> people.
3: Yeah, yeah this, <laughs> but uh, one of Gacy's two defense attorneys um, from the 1980 trial authored procedures that were incorporated by the Illinois General Assembly into the Missing Child Recovery Act of 1984. Uh, this basically stems back to our last victim where it, it was unbelievable that the family had to wait two days yeah. to get some assistance before this child was considered missing. Yeah, he's
1: not missing. It's, you know, he's got to be gone 48
3: hours. And so that birth, uh, the Amber Alert. And then one other thing I wanted to mention, kind of a interesting but depressing uh, side story, is a book called The Last Victim by Jason Moss. I read that maybe five or six years ago. And Moss was a college student who went the extra mile uh, for a thesis that he was writing and got involved with Gacy and was corresponding with him as a potential victim while he was in prison. Mm -hmm. He didn't tell him I'm working on this or that. Mm -hmm. He basically stroked his ego um, and put himself into very, very, very dangerous situations because Towards the end of the book, he goes to the prison, mm-hmm. and he is with Gacy in there, and the guards turn a blind eye so Gacy can have his moment with his his visitor that came to, to see him. Yeah, and then I mean, Gacy's got his his junk pulled out, and the kids talking about how the look in his eyes just changes, like he was ready. Yeah, and it I mean, it's terrifying to read, and ultimately uh, Moss went on to kill himself. Uh, a number of years after Holy that, shit. and so I, I don't necessarily think that his experience there directly related to that. I think he just had a whole lot of other unhappy issues. Yeah. But it was really a, a very bizarre, but interesting venture from something after the case that occurred. So, if anybody's interested, it wasn't it was an interesting book, The Last Victim by Jason Moss.
1: That jogged my memory, and that. That documentary Serial Killer Culture, uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. the one guy that had had struck up a, a friendship or a pen pal ship with Gacy and collected some of his paintings and went to visit him, he said Gacy was real handsy, you uh, know, uh, like real excited to have a visitor. Yeah, and he said
0: that the final straw was when Gacy painted the man's son into one of his paintings. Yeah. And he said, he, it dawned on him then, uh, I need to distance myself from this guy. Yeah. And what cracks me up about Gacy is he, at one point, went on to claim that he was framed. Oh, yeah. And, like, they planted all these bodies under his house. Yeah. and all, Which must like, have
3: been done every night between the hours of 3 and 4 <laughs> o'clock while he was sleeping. Some body fairy snuck in and dug the floorboards uh Unbelievable.
0: Uh, I, one of the things I watched was talking about when he was booked at one, and they said to him, uh, where were you born? And he said, I was born in a state of confusion. And then chuckled to himself. But that
3: stuck out to me. Yeah. Just kind of, we're all impressed, John. Good yeah. stuff. Clever. Yeah, you're
0: so quippy.
1: <laughs> uh, do you know what Gacy's last words were?
3: KFC's finger looking good.
1: <laughs> Close. Kiss my ass. Yep.
3: Yeah. It was his last Which, word. And that was monster. his last meal, if I remember correctly. Specifically yeah. KFC.
0: Well, they. Yeah. he had been convicted years earlier from all of this. Wasn't it like for a, a sexual assault or a sodomy? That's what he... Yeah,
3: that's what I saw. Yeah, over in yeah, Iowa.
0: Uh, is that the one where he served 18 months on a 10-year sentence? Yep. And he was even on a, a local news channel because he was worked in the kitchen. he had, you know, he's in his chef's hat and everything else talking to him about being rehabilitated. It's just crazy. Funny to me that at that time, that the stigma... Of coming off a ten year sentence like that didn't seem to matter in a time where you think you would be ostracized. Yeah. But then again, this also was before social media, so who knows how
2: aware people were if you went from state to state on what your history was.
1: Oh, and I mean
2: But not, not only that, but the, the, the fucked up thing is too is the sodomy laws it's not to protect children, it was like to target gay people. Yeah, it was, oh yeah. was
1: anti gay, yeah. Well and that too, I mean, it's still I mean Conversation and communication with with records between police departments is still pretty, poor. yeah, bad. Yeah, um, but yeah, but he kept getting away with those things when they were reporting kids missing, and they said it's John Wayne Gacy. They're like, come on, JC's man, JC's guy, you kidding
0: me? Yeah. KFC guy, yeah. Well,
3: and that that's why it was a big deal with Bundy when all of the heads from different states had a, like a little summit mm-hmm. to go over information that was similar. So that didn't happen. Yeah, I mean it's it's still a problem. Oh yeah, it's better now with technology that's brought a lot of it together. But it's egos and and people wanting credit for things and other people not wanting to be stuck with things. And
0: Gacy grosses me out too because of the way he accepted his celebrity, like he relished in his celebrity by doing his paintings and selling them and yeah. all that kind of shit. And, and, and you know. And it's not like Gacy was some fantastic artist on these paintings. That's not why anybody painted it. He basically sat those easels up in a line, Mm -hmm. and it was paint by numbers, you know?
1: Yeah, it was not any good. His most famous one, painting the Seven Dwarves as the Chicago Cubs.
3: And there's the one that's signed.
1: (laughs) It's been signed by multiple players from the Cubs, because whoever has this painting has... Found like these Cubs players at oh, events wow. and had them sign it, and they were just like, "Oh, it's a cute picture that someone's kid did." and I'm signing it. No, it's John Wayne Gacy. You just signed. Oh it. man. Any thoughts before we dive into the movie?
2: Uh, so, so kind of like to bridge the two. in, in the movie, there's like, a, I guess, like his his foreman, or I don't know who the guy was. Is that like an extra character? Is that guy real? The well, guy that was kind yeah, of the command, kind yeah, of the yeah. Was. So, because I, I I took it in the I think in the movie he comes out and says that he did things to him, but yeah, he had cronies with his construction
3: company. Yeah, that may have inadvertently helped with something. Because
1: there were some guys that he tried to put the rope trick on or the handcuff trick, and they'd wrestle him and get away from him, and he wouldn't hurt him or he'd you know he he'd let him get away. And so, yeah, he had people close to him. Yeah, that were just you know accomplices. Um, one thing I want to say is we're transitioning here from the real life story to the movie um, I never understood because all I ever all you know the, the most famous picture you see is that that mugshot of Gacy with the mustache and he just looks like your your simple uncle right mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and so it wasn't until... Brian Dennehy brought this character to life in *To Catch a Killer*. That I realized how much of an obnoxious asshole he was. Yeah, it helped me piece because I'd read the stories and I'd look at the picture and I'm like, that guy wasn't that guy. Like he, you know, he wasn't this guy. But watching Dennehy portray him in *To Catch a Killer*, I was like, now I get it. Yeah, now I know what kind of everyone knows that loud mouth, abrasive, obnoxious guy, and uh, you know the joke about being from Chicago, you <laughs> know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, I'm like, okay, yep, that's him. That's him.
3: Which is something I enjoy uh, with us doing this and the other show that we like last podcast on the left, uh, is pointing out how big a dipshits a lot of these guys were that kind of get immortalized as scary. Um, you know, Ted Bundy continues uh, with the resurgence after the big documentary and uh, all the controversy over women finding him attractive and that's inappropriate. The message is lost on him. And it is in a lot of ways because if this guy were that smooth, he wouldn't have to have used the ruses that he did right. with the gas on, And you know, can you help me carry the books? If he was a charmer, he would not have been doing all of that stuff. Um, and so, help, same with Casey. He was really kind of a dipshit and, and arrogant, uh, you know, just kind of pathetic in a lot of ways. And most of these creatures are that get immortalized because of the horrific things they did.
1: Yeah. And to think, too, just how different of an era it was, even in the late 70s, early 80s, that how easily you could get away with these things. Yeah. You know, this is before Stranger Danger. I mean, that's what we all grew up with. You yeah. know, look out for the guy in the white van offering you puppies, you know, like, yeah.
3: um, I remember print database happening for nearly a decade still
1: i had this conversation a week ago that with was a guy
3: basically after the adam
0: walsh case i think that wasn't uh, it, the, the first one doing the fingerprinting for well kids? the first one
3: caught with major uh was richard Ramirez in uh, la
0: but yeah i had this
1: conversation with a guy at church last week because he had been joking the week before there everyone thinks he's paranoid because he won't let his kids have like embroidered stuff like backpacks mm-hmm. you know he's like all it takes is for someone to walk up and like see their kid's name on their backpack and be like, hey, Sandy, isn't your dad such yeah. and such? Or, isn't, or don't you go to this school because they just saw your school pride mm-hmm. sticker on the back of your vehicle when you dropped that kid off? I
0: remember, as I, strangely enough, I was just thinking about this the other day, uh, but I remember when I was a kid, my parents setting me down and us having a family password that if somebody were to come to pick me up, Uh, that they had to know this password. I remember the school's Or I wasn't allowed to get in the car with them. And I can remember my parents, my mom, and her sister taking me and my little cousins to... It was almost like
2: a a fair, in a way, for kids. My my password was pizza, so I always got in the van with everybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But we had to go and be... And I think it was after the Adam Walsh case where we had to go. and We were fingerprinted and all that. Oh, yeah. Because my cousin and I, we were probably five or six, but we both remember but there was a clown there uh, who had B.O. real bad. <laughs> I was
1: looking through some of my parents' old stuff, and they had this little ID of me. It had my picture on it and everything, and I think they got it done at Richmond Square Mall, but it was that same thing. They had these IDs made for your yeah. for your kids so that um,
0: can you imagine, if they went missing, you can could you turn, turn that in. Can you imagine how different of a, of a change in eras that was for people who grew up in the 1950s and 60s to them when they had their children, you had to go out and get your kids fingerprinted and things like that because cool. of the
2: monsters. Well, we're talking about people who,
1: who slept with their screen doors open. Yeah. You know, like their yeah. main doors open and they're just... We, uh, they're...
2: Also, if you think about, yeah. like even the cartoons we watched, there was all the PSAs at the end and and McGruff the crime dog and yeah, uh, like all the stuff that was pushed on us when we were growing up.
0: Which for them was, you know, Looney Tunes and nobody blew their brother's head off because they thought Daffy Duck could survive it, so could their little brother, you know.
1: Vinny, what was your family's password?
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't tell him. It, punky wonky wee. Because I <laughs> uh, got uh, you boy. Yeah. Because <laughs> my my dad worked with a guy named Milford. And that's what Milford used to refer to his wife as, my little punky wonky wee. <laughs>
3: I picture like an adult pulling up and saying it, but like part of, as part of a secret <laughs> club, like "Hey, yeah. Punky Monkey B. Let's <laughs> go be our new password. It was, to get in the you club. know, because
0: being a little kid, I was like, "Oh, how about peanut butter sandwiches or some shit?" And they yeah. were like, "Too easy to guess. No one is ever going to guess." Yeah. Punky Monkey uh, The remember Password
2: is nipple. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> was yours candy? Yeah, puppies and candy uh,
1: in the car. I didn't have one. I but I remember Andy Lester's family had one. And uh, sorry, Andy, I'm putting you on blast here, but uh, it was clever because they had a they had a big fat cat named Sally, and so their password
3: sounds like a blues song.
1: Their password was Sister Sally. Sa- Sister Sally says, "Come with me." <laughs> <laughs> it's good. That's clever, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: So, a punky monkey weenie, but <laughs>
1: not only did uh, I not listeners have a- please uh, chime in. <laughs> yeah, uh, not only did I not have
2: a password, but we also grew up in an era of orphans, like. Little orphan Annie, different strokes, Punky Brewster. Some I didn't have a password, and my mom would always be like, "I'll leave your ass at the store." <laughs> so I always end up chasing her car a little bit, like,
3: "Mommy." They might have any safe words now. <laughs> don't, Anyways,
1: don't stop, peaches. <laughs>
0: uh, all right, so on moving on, note, let's <laughs> like, folks. Uh, we we just kind of have to lighten it up every once in a while. We're talking about
2: subject matter like.
1: Yeah, if not, we'd we sit and cry. Um, so on to to catch a killer. Who's got some dates and details?
2: Well, so what? so I think number one, there there are, are wearing shirts. There uh, there there are multiple uh, Gacy movies, but of them similar to most serial killers, most of them are garbage.
3: This is the best one. Uh, this is this the is TV the movie, but one. to
2: catch a killer, uh, nineteen ninety two. I'm not sure where it originally aired. I didn't have that, um, but uh, probably NBC, CBS, one of the Major networks, uh, starring Brian Dennehy as John Wayne Gacy, uh, Margot Kidder, who was the psychic. Um, oh yeah. Meg Foster played. Um, da da. Um, I feel like there was a few recognizable faces, but those are the, the names that I had. Yeah, those are the main three. Yeah. Um, and then uh, a a no, I mean like obviously, uh, 1992 again. This is prior to when. You know, at this point, John Wayne Gacy was still alive. He wasn't executed. No, not at all.
1: Um, so I think we can we can skip a lot of the the tr- the case stuff. Um, yeah. because so they did a great job. I mean, they just did a great job of portraying um things like I thought the Bundy movie was good, but this I think is is a step above.
3: And this is more factually correct than the Bundy one. was. Yes, this is virtually what happened.
1: Yep. This was this was like watching a documentary almost. Yeah. Um, it's long. Yeah. Like
3: what, three three, three hours? hours.
0: Uh, but I'm gonna tell you what, I watched it all in one setting. Like it did not bother me because I was invested enough. And also, you can find it. What I think I watched it on YouTube. Like <laughs> it's pretty accessible.
3: I have the VHS.
1: Is it on D V D?
3: Uh in australia um, okay umbrella has it on dvd that's, so i think the only commercial release it's ever gotten so i don't VHS. mind telling
1: folks that you can watch this on youtube uh you can either watch it there's one that's the full thing all three hours in one sitting or you can watch that there's a part one and part two yeah. you can split up
3: basically a bootleg dvd <clears throat> that has it in two parts okay but i actually got that off ebay because i like this that much i got it years ago
1: yeah yeah um I'll, like I said, I'll just echo that this really um, Brian Dennehy's portrayal of this character really helped me understand what kind of an asshole John mm-hmm. Wayne Gacy was. Mm-hmm. And it, as you said, it opens with the pharmacy scene, so it opens with the last famous one. You know, I mean, right. the last well-known thing that he really did. That's what led to him getting caught. And so we follow um, a detective who's the main detective on the case of the missing boy who keeps you know, <clears throat> getting pointed towards Gacy, getting pointed towards Gacy, and I think that that guy's portrayal of that detective character was fantastic. Do we have the
0: detective's name by any chance, anybody? Uh, because I almost
2: feel like if we're going to glorify and talk about... I've,
0: I looked it up earlier because the the, John Wayne Gacy, the, uh, to...
2: the the actor that played him, I guess, like spent time with the, uh, the actual detective. Yeah. Um, but
1: I've just got to say that that actor did a fantastic mm-hmm. job. Um, because what they did in the film to our listeners, what they did was they portrayed this guy as a family guy, a guy who had a teenage son. and could
3: have just as easily fit right into the mold of what...
1: And his teenage son had heard about the most recent kid that went missing. He was from like a nearby school, so he knew who the kid was. And um, you could just really see, even in the shitty quality on YouTube... um, It is rough. You could see the emotion that this guy portrays as...
3: Yeah, I was going to say, every time I watch it, I always, at first, I always think, ah, this detective's a little hammy. Yep. And then as it goes on, I'm like, ah, he's actually portraying anguish and stress very, very I think well. Also yep. I a thought the sti-
1: same thing. I Started
3: out hammy.
0: Stigma whenever you hear the words TV movie. Yep. And I don't feel like it is applicable to this. It, I, well, I, I feel like this is done
3: very well. This is also an interesting trend only with true crime, where the TV movies are typically better. There's exceptions here and there, like something like Zodiac that we covered is excellent. Oh, yeah. Summer, Sam veers off in his own thing, but that's a great movie too. But TV movies are great because we don't go into the exploits. We don't show the horrific elements of it. We address them. We know that they've happened, yep. but we focus on the detectives. And more importantly, what happens more than anything with TV movies is the, the absolute heartache of families and the, from the yeah, victims. they put a, they
0: tend to put more of a human face you, on it. You don't yeah.
3: get that very often in, in theatrical. Even a great movie like Zodiac, you don't spend a lot of time with people that are affected by loss. But right. in TV movies, you always have elements of that in there. Oh, yeah. And that it really drives home the grief that comes from it, which I think is paramount when you're discussing this stuff.
2: Right. So the uh, the detective's name was uh, Joe Korinzak, if I'm saying it right.
1: That damn Polak, as dinner he kept saying And
2: a million times. And the actor oh, that portrayed
0: him was Michael Riley. Okay. And was Michael it, Riley wasn't uh, <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> wasn't uh, was drinking whiskey. Gacy, Polish? Yeah, yeah, he was on oh, the which go, which is hilarious. Yeah,
1: he's a Polish on the go. Yeah, so it's so funny they kept saying, "I like they got that damn Polak <laughs> on my ass." <laughs> yeah. Um. Other things you want to bring up about the film?
3: Um. I think. Uh, 90% of this is Brian Dennehy in terms of what makes it excellent. He, I think he uh, was Emmy-nominated for it, um, for the performance. There was also an interesting relation relationship with his experience making that. Gacy contacted him, saw it, hated the movie, hated <laughs> the way it portrayed him, and he <laughs> let Dennehy know.
0: <clears throat> nice.
3: It's, it's bullshit that you bought into what they wanted. I don't like the way you portray I maybe. wish they would I'm let sure. Brian
0: Dennehy walk into the prison and just Which beat his shit. Also, me <laughs> right? to
3: another element that <clears throat> I do think is important to remember is Brian Dennehy is huge. Yeah. John Wayne Gacy was not.
0: Oh,
1: okay. He was,
3: I think, about 5'8. He was not Brian Dennehy's. You height.
1: just see his fat face and you think he's a you big think guy. He's a yeah, he's yeah. not. He oh, was, interesting. Yeah, he, that he I was did not, not know.
2: That, I didn't know that either. He always yeah. did seem like I, a big that I like that, uh, big big that Brian Dennehy is always a likable actor and guy. Yeah. And not. Like, he did a really good job in this, because he, he was, yeah, he was scary yep. Yeah.
1: Because I just always picture Tommy Boy's dad. Yeah. yeah. Brian he
2: But uh, I did like what Vinny had to say about, do you want to share that with her? What's, oh, how in,
0: <laughs> how in every movie uh, that's done
2: about,
0: you go with any biography, they always get somebody that is way more handsome than the person actually was in real life and how bad is it when brian Denny <laughs> is the handsome face that you put on yeah, the handsomer version of you and notably more handsome notably
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah but he did so good like when he handed money to that gas station attendant and kind of lingered and Those like touched his hand and Ugh. um you know when he uh just creepy. I mean, like when he's
2: I think that, swinging
1: I, the handcuffs around, yeah, you know, the, like the
2: scene where he brings in like the the could have been victim with the cops outside, and he's like teaching him how to play pool, like where he's kind of like fondling him a little bit. And yeah, he, yeah. Um,
1: to catch also,
2: hands, boy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the clown makeup was phenomenal, except for they didn't get his eye makeup right, but in makeup he looked just like
0: and i'm gacy. glad they included yeah, he did. it i'm glad they so iconic in, iconic and entwined in the mythos of yeah gacy i'm glad that it was included but i'm also glad that it was in one scene
3: right that it, they didn't
2: keep playing on even, it even even that scene like he he picks a young teen boy mm-hmm. to come up in front of the detectives and oh it's so creepy yeah I don't, I don't think there's a scene in the movie that he's not on screen that, that he doesn't just...
3: Yeah, that's know. also where he had the, the famous line, clowns can get away with murder.
2: Because
1: I think he really said that, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, don't you know a clown can get away with murder? Yeah. Um, oh, my only complaint with this film, my final note, uh, one of his final would-be victims that got away was wearing a Jordan t-shirt. Oh,
2: yeah. I, I, and I was like, wrong. Yeah, that wrong.
1: was... There was, Michael that's Jordan I, was not playing yeah. or making merchandise at that point. So Michael Michael Jordan no. probably would have
2: been a child himself during uh, the time He certainly period. probably would have been
1: playing college ball yeah, at North Carolina. Yeah. That's so. a good
3: point. My my only complaint, uh, one thing I want to mention real quick, that's not a complaint. Margot Kidder, fun, as the psychic. Yeah. It's nice to see her in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always thought she never got enough roles mm-hmm. uh, for as entertaining as she could be. Mm-hmm. Um but my, really, my only complaint with the, the film, I don't mind about anything, uh, the narrative kind of taking liberties to switch little things here and there. It, it, for the most part, it's pretty spot on for what happened, and it's an interesting part <coughs> of the story, and I'm glad that that's what they chose to focus on. I just, I think that it ends kind of abruptly for mm-hmm. a three-hour movie. Yeah, I will
0: agree with that. That's
3: my only complaint. It doesn't spoil it. I would recommend this to everyone listening if they're even slightly interested. Go take a look but that's my only complaint is for all that we watch the detective go through and how tense at times this cat and mouse is between them. It's really kind of like, Oh, we've made it to the finish line and we show the face of the detective and credits. Yep. It's like, I want to see him yell out, charge him and like go through them, ripping it up and maybe remind us of all that this man has taken from the area. Right. In terms of lives, it just kind of goes quick and, I just wish that there would have been a kind of a punctuation mark on it. It just kind of felt like it ended quickly.
0: Didn't they end up tearing down the house that he lived in?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think they do with most. Like, Dahmer's apartment's long gone. gone, BTK's house, gone. Yeah. They tear down most of them. And they should. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, any other thoughts on The Catch Killer or John Wayne Gacy?
3: Uh, I would recommend just watching the... Movie. Yeah, not necessarily digging it. deep into the case as much as watching the, the TV movie. Yeah, yeah,
1: I can't recommend this movie enough. I think it's great. Uh, don't go into it expecting, you know, to see the the crimes themselves. No. You know, don't go into it expecting that because um, they, I
2: don't think it, it didn't need it.
1: No, it shouldn't be glorified. Um, do that. Check out the song uh, "John Wayne Gacy" by uh, Sufjan Stevens. Very scary. Um. Yeah, so uh, like I said, please uh, interact with us on uh, Instagram or Facebook. You still on Twitter? Yes. Yeah, or on Twitter, tell us what your your family's password was to uh, <laughs> pick you up from school, or um, or or tell us uh, you know any of your stories about uh, how the John Wayne Casey Gates, uh, the John Wayne Casey, the John Wayne Casey face yeah, song affected you, uh, or or you know drew your interest. So, or tell us who you think we should cover next and what movie to go along with it. Oh yeah. And, uh, give us a like and a rating on, uh, wherever you get podcasts, uh, a rating and a review to let us know how we're doing and boost our exposure just a little bit so that we can share. Boost,
2: boost our esteem.
1: Yeah. Boost our egos. We get pretty sad. We don't think anyone <laughs> listens to the show. So, uh, signing off on another, uh, just interesting. True crime episode. I'm um, one of your hosts, Grizzly Adner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff,
0: Venomous Vinny, Hot toddy
1: Stay scary.